A lot of people don't like the idea of advocacy because they don't like politics. But we can't ignore what's going on just because we don't like politics. We have to be aware of how the things that are being proposed in these laws might actually impact us, as opposed to it happening and then complaining about it afterwards. is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I'm speaking with Joanna Duran, CEO at Triage Cancer. Joanna, beautiful name. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You have a beautiful name as well. Well, tell us about Triage Cancer. Triage Cancer is a national nonprofit organization that provides free education on all of the legal and practical issues that may come up after a cancer diagnosis, both for individuals who are diagnosed as well as their families and caregivers. So, Joanna, I've had a couple of other CEOs that run nonprofits devoted to diseases or medical conditions. Why go to triage cancer instead of the nonprofit devoted to your condition? So triage cancer is specifically focused on those legal and practical issues. And those issues are things like access to health insurance coverage, knowing how to use that coverage effectively to get access to care, employment issues, accessing disability benefits, finances and managing medical bills. And those issues are often things that we don't even think of as legal issues, but there are laws and programs created by laws to help protect us and give us access to benefits. And because those things are rooted in the law, you have to really understand those laws. And so triage cancer has a very specific niche in the cancer community where we're providing education on that legal information. And that doesn't exist in other places. And many other national organizations and local organizations in the cancer community come to us to fill that gap. So if I'm someone who's newly diagnosed, I'm obviously focused on my health, but then I lose my job or I lose benefits, those are the types of issues that you might help me with? Absolutely. But we want to try to prevent some of those issues. So we want to provide education to help people understand what their rights are to stay at work and get access to accommodations or understand how to take time off and not lose their job. So we try to kind of prevent some of the crises or head them off at a pass so that they don't end up being in a situation where someone's losing their job or their insurance or even their home because of their cancer diagnosis. You know, this is amazing. How would I even know that I have rights? And how would I find you? 
That's a great question. So I think a lot of the time we tell people, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know that there are benefits and protections out there, you wouldn't even think to ask questions about those things, let alone where to ask those questions. And so we spend a lot of time partnering with those other organizations in the cancer community to make sure that people are aware of these protections and know where to go to ask more questions, like coming to triage cancer. But we also want to train the healthcare teams who are working with patients and families so that if patients are coming to them and saying, you know, it's really hard for me to schedule my next appointment, my employer is making it really difficult for me to take another day off work, that they understand that that is actually a problem that's rooted in the law and to know where to point their patients for help and to understand what their employment rights are. So we spend a lot of time training healthcare professionals so that they're better at navigating their patients through those types of issues. Well, we got a lot to talk about in terms of the work that we do. But before we do that, let's talk about your journey. So how did you get to become CEO of Triage Cancer? Well, the short answer is I co-founded the organization. Ah. So that was an easy path, I suppose, to CEO. But it really came from almost 20 years of working in the cancer community before that moment and seeing a lot of unmet need. And that came from a lot of different experiences. I spent eight years working in a cancer center, providing educational resources and working in the patient library. And, you know, I'm dating myself a little bit, but making sure there was a computer to do research in the library on resources to help someone who'd been diagnosed. But one of the things that I did in that role was actually work in a boutique that addressed the comfort and cosmetic side effects of cancer. And I would fit patients for mastectomy bras and prostheses after they'd had a mastectomy for breast cancer. And I would also then have to bill insurance after they purchased those items And I would frequently get denials from insurance companies and then would have to call those companies and ask, why is this being denied? And they would say, this is not a covered benefit. It's cosmetic. There'd be all sorts of reasons why it wouldn't be covered. And at the time, at that point, I was actually in law school and I learned about a law called the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act, which requires private insurance to cover those items. And that's federal legislation? That is a federal law. And so I asked, what about WICRA, which is the abbreviation for the name? Then they would say approved. And I didn't have to demonstrate that I knew what the law was about or how it applied to the situation or even the full name of the law. They knew that I knew something and that they had an obligation to pay for that medical item. And so for me, that was incredibly frustrating. Without you mentioning WICRA, sometimes these claims would be denied. Yes. So if I didn't push back and didn't question their denial because of WICRA, they would not have paid for that service. And that meant a patient was paying sometimes thousands of dollars for very expensive items post-surgery. And so it was completely eye-opening and showed me that if you don't know what your rights are, our systems can often walk all over us. And just me knowing the name of the law was enough to move things forward. Wow. And so it just 
really reinforced and demonstrated how valuable it is for you to know what your rights are so that you can get access to what you need. So that led you to found an organization, and that's a big deal. It was. There were many years in between of working in the cancer community and providing education on things like navigating your insurance coverage and understanding your insurance options. But we really founded Triage because we wanted to provide that education and we wanted to make it available for free so that there wouldn't be any barriers in accessing that information. So, Joanna, how long have you had the organization? And tell us about your structure today. We have been in existence for a little over 11 years now, and triage cancer has grown substantially. So it was co-founded actually by my sister and I. She is also a cancer rights attorney, and it started with just us. And then we were able to hire a program assistant to help us with our efforts. And today we have 11 staff. So in a relatively short time period, for the lifespan of a nonprofit organization, we've grown pretty substantially. Boy, that's amazing. Well, let's turn to the things that you are doing to thrive, and thriving you are and making a huge difference. Let's start with your events, because you say that events are pretty important to you educating people with cancer and their families. Yes. So we were often getting asked to speak at educational events across the country before we founded Triage Cancer. And we found that a lot of those events were only happening in big cities or the national organizations were only hosting those events in one location. And that actually created a barrier for people who are geographically diverse from across the country. So we really wanted to take education into communities. So that was the primary mission of triage was to provide those educational events all over the country. And I'm very proud to say that we really made a concerted effort to do that. And by 2019, just before COVID, we'd actually delivered in-person educational events in every state, D.C. and Guam. And so we really went into communities where those bigger events weren't happening. And they were so grateful for the information. Joanna, that is just fascinating because I have clients that specifically choose locations based on, is it East Coast, West Coast, but they're often in the big cities. And you're saying that that's not always the most accessible. It isn't. We hosted some of our triage cancer conferences in places like Oklahoma City or in Morgantown, West Virginia. So we trained healthcare professionals in Bismarck, North Dakota. We went to places that are often under-resourced too. And so those healthcare professionals even who are coming to our trainings didn't have the resources to travel to National Professional Association events either. Wow, Joanna, I lived on Guam for three years. It takes a long time to get to the mainland from Guam. So God bless you guys for doing education on Guam. Well, I have to say, I did not get the privilege of going to Guam, but we were very happy to participate in events there. Now, it sounds like because so much of your focus is really on the law, that advocacy is an important part of what you do. So tell us about those efforts. We really only have the information available to educate people because of the advocacy efforts of the cancer community and the healthcare community and many other advocates who came before us. Anytime we see a challenge in the system, the only way to improve it 
is to actually engage in advocacy. And that might be policy advocacy, or it might be things that actually need to be changed in laws. And that can happen at the federal level, but it also exists at the state and local level as well. And because the cancer community is being impacted by so many areas of law, so everything from insurance to employment to government benefits to estate planning, it's covering a lot of bases in terms of staying on top of all the changes to the laws that are happening at the federal, state, and local levels, and then turning around and translating that for the cancer community so that people really understand this is how this proposal or this new law is actually going to impact me. But as we do this work, we have been doing it a long time and we have seen a lot of improvements in laws and our systems, but we also see where there are huge numbers of gaps. Mm. So where some states might create new protections for consumers or employees, other states aren't doing that. And so it just increases the disparity and the lack of benefits that people in one state over another state might have access to. So what does this advocacy look like at the federal level and at the state level with an 11-person staff organization? How are you doing this? This is amazing stuff. So we do have a lot of volunteers. We work with law students all over the country who are helping us do research to see what's happening in various areas of the law and keeping track of that information. We have charts of state laws on our website that kind of help us stay on top of things. But when we're engaging in advocacy, it's because we have great networks and great partners. So the other advocates in the cancer community will raise an issue. And then we communicate with each other about what those issues are and how we can be supportive. And sometimes that is as simple as writing a letter to an elected official to make them aware of the challenges that are facing their constituents or Sometimes it's providing testimony at a hearing about how a potential law might impact the cancer community. So the efforts can look very different, but it really is just about using our voice and our perspective on what we've seen over the years, but encouraging others to get involved in the process as well. A lot of people don't like the idea of advocacy because they don't like politics, but we can't ignore what's going on just because we don't like politics. We have to be aware of how the things that are being proposed in these laws might actually impact us, as opposed to it happening and then complaining about it afterwards. Right, right. You know, while we were prepping, you said that the organization is now doing things that you never expected to do. So what did you expect to do and what are you doing now that's different? Well, I think we really expected to be focusing our time on hosting those educational events and dealing with advocacy issues and lending our voice in that realm because it's more systemic. We can reach more people that way. We can have a greater impact. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, we could host an event and provide information, but individuals still had questions about their personal situation. And they would call us or email us. And we didn't have a hotline to be able to answer those questions, but we did it anyway. We never turned anyone away. We helped them find the information that they needed so that they could find their best path forward. 
And ultimately, with COVID, the issues that people were experiencing during that time period impacted everybody, Mm. but it also impacted the cancer community and just made the challenges around insurance and employment and finances even more challenging. And so the volume of those calls and emails doubled in a year. And then a year into COVID, it doubled again. And so we really needed to build the infrastructure to support all of those calls and emails because what we realized, even though we didn't want to originally host a hotline, is that there wasn't anyone else to send people to to get answers to those questions. And we have the answers. So the idea of turning people away didn't sit well with us and we wanted to be able to help people. And so ultimately we built our legal and financial navigation program to be able to provide that one-on-one assistance. Joanna, it sounds like people were calling you and instead of just referring them to the website, you kind of said, wow, there's a need here. And so now you've got a call center. Is that right? So like, how are you staffing the call center? Is this 24-7 Is this staffed by staff? Is it an outsourced call center? How are you doing this? I don't necessarily think I want to call it a call center okay? (laughs) because it sounds like we have a whole lot more people than we do and more capacity than we do. It is staffed by our staff attorneys who work at Triage Cancer and then the law students who support that program as well, doing research and follow-up communications. So the navigation program People can make appointments to talk with our staff. It isn't 24-7. I can't make my staff work 24-7, but they are available to be able to schedule those appointments to help people one-on-one understand all their issues. A lot of times people will call us and say, I can't pay my medical bills. I need financial assistance. And we don't provide financial assistance. And we can point people towards resources that do provide assistance, But what we want to know is what's the underlying reason someone needs financial assistance? Mm. Is it because they don't have adequate insurance and so they have huge out-of-pocket costs? Is it because they're worried about losing their job and not being able to pay their bills? So if we can help them address those underlying issues, then we can help them in the crisis moment by connecting them to financial assistance, but we can also help prevent the ongoing need for financial assistance, which is really what we want to try to do for people is prevent some of the crisis. Joanna, are you actually providing case management services? Like if I call you to say, I'm having a problem, if I call you back, is there a record of what I asked you before and what you said so that now you're really managing cases? Because this sounds pretty intense. So we don't provide legal assistance. Okay. We're not representing people, but we are taking the information. So we do have the ability to know what someone is going through on an ongoing basis. So if someone calls us and says, I'm really worried about losing my job right now, we will talk to them about the employment issues that they're experiencing. But we're also going to say, what about your health insurance? So if you do lose your job, do you have a plan for how you're going to deal with your health insurance moving forward? And depending on the person, some people might want that information right then. But some people might say, you know, that's a great question, but I can't deal with that right now. So let me just focus on the employment and then I'll call you back if I get to a place where I need the health insurance information. So most of the time, there are lots of issues we're talking to people about. But when we talk to them, it might be over a length of time. 
And then sometimes we only talk to people once, depending on their issue. So it sounds like you've figured out a way to provide all kinds of information in a bunch of different ways, including a podcast. So why a podcast and what's that been like? What's been the outcome? The interesting thing about the information that we provide is that it can be provided in lots of different ways. So depending on how people like to learn or consume information or their news, we want people to be able to access it all. So we have quick guides, which are super short descriptions. We have longer guides. We have our cancer finances tool. We have events. So if you don't want to read anything and you just want someone to talk to you, you can attend our events or listen to our recorded webinars. But the podcast was really to provide a shorter introduction to some of the key things we think are important for everyone to know. And we often kind of joke that most of what we talk about at Triage Cancer should be taught in high school. It's just the things that everybody needs to know, like how do I pick a health insurance plan or how do I manage my medical bills or how do I balance my checkbook and understand my credit score or even understand my workplace rights, or should I have a will? All of those things are kind of what we refer to as part of adulting, Mm. but that no one ever really teaches us about. We just kind of learn on the job, so to speak. Well, it's interesting because a number of my guests have podcasts, and I have probably an equal number that ask me about podcasting as a way to reach a different audience. And I have found that you definitely reach a different audience because there's a class of people who like to listen and there's a class of people who would prefer video as well. So you just got to, I guess, reach them where they are. Yes. And for me, I mean, I am a visual learner. So if someone is just talking to me, I don't process all of it. So I know that other people don't learn that way. And that is the benefit of the podcast is it just allows us a short period of time to introduce some of these topics with the hope that people know that there's always a place to go for more information. Boy, speaking of dense legal information, you've got something called the Cancer Rights Law Book. Yes. Tell us about that. It sounds really important. It is important from our perspective. I, you know, I don't recommend it being nighttime reading. You might, you know, it might be a good way to cure (laughs) insomnia, but it has really important information and it covers those topics that do come up most often with respect to legal issues like health insurance and employment and disability insurance and finances and estate planning. It was definitely a labor of love for myself and Monica Bryant, our CEO at Triage Cancer, we had been teaching cancer rights law in law schools, and there was no book on cancer rights law. So as a teacher and educator, that was a challenge. You literally wrote the book. We literally wrote the book that we could use in teaching this topic at law schools. It was released back in 2018, and we swore we would never write another book because it was an intense project. And we find ourselves right now working on a second edition of that book because the law does change. And after using the book in teaching and evolving how we talk about some of these issues as educators, we want to make it better. Wow. You are doing such amazing things for so many people. How are you funded? So Triage Cancer is funded entirely by grants and sponsorships of our educational programs. 
individual donations, then when we are speaking for other entities, if they are providing honorariums, that goes back into the organization to be able to fund our free programs and services. So what's the fundraising environment like today and has COVID changed things? I always think the fundraising environment is hard. It's never easy. <laughs> no, it's never easy. It's I'm a program person, so fundraising doesn't come naturally to me. I would prefer to spend my time working on the actual programs we're delivering. But fundraising is crucial. We have to raise every dollar to be able to make sure that what we're offering is free because we never want cost to be a barrier to people. And so for us, we're actually kind of fortunate during COVID that it raised awareness about the issues that we deal with on a daily basis. And I think many of our funders actually really understood better the value of the programs and services that we were providing to help people understand insurance and employment issues and just navigating the finances of a serious medical condition. And so it actually helped bring more awareness to what we do. And people just understood it better because frankly, insurance and employment issues, there's nothing kind of sexy or warm and fuzzy about those topics. And no one really wants to learn about those topics, but it's needed. And so I think the funders really kind of felt like they better understood what we do and could see the impact of what we were doing. I think COVID has, for everybody, shown the importance of how to fundraise in diverse ways. Because if you're an organization that just focuses on in-person events, an event like COVID really changes that landscape and mm. hinders your ability to do that. And you can't be 100% reliant on that type of fundraising model. You talk about impact, and the website says that you reached a million people in 2022. Congratulations. Thank you. What's the goal for 2023 and beyond? I think my goal for triage has always been to reach every person diagnosed with cancer and their families and caregivers. Even in reaching a million people a year, I know that we're only scratching the surface of who could be benefiting from the information that we have available. And that is true for patients and caregivers, but it's also true for the healthcare professionals who are working with those patients and caregivers, which is why we spend time training them so that they're better at navigating patients and caregivers through these issues. But ultimately, the information that we have available is relevant to everybody. So understanding how to have adequate insurance before you get diagnosed with a serious medical condition wow. makes you better positioned if you are ever in need of using that insurance to treat a medical condition. And so I think if I think totally big picture, I want to improve everybody's knowledge of our healthcare system and how to navigate it, as well as understanding the importance of having estate do planning documents in place because you never know when something might happen. And it makes it considerably different for families to manage the grief of losing someone if those documents are in place and so that they're not having to spend time focusing on the logistics and can focus on the loss of a family member. So you're saying that the things that you're educating the public about really applies to any type of condition. So I might have MS, I might have asthma, and 
I need to know what my rights are and what's available to me. Yes, absolutely. We actually feel so strongly about that, that this year we rolled out a program called Triage Health as opposed to Triage Cancer, because the information that we have available, and I would say 95% of the information that we're teaching people about is relevant to everyone even regardless if they have a serious medical condition, but is also very important if you do have a serious medical condition. Because in the same way in the cancer community, if you are challenged with figuring out how to navigate the healthcare system or pick the right health insurance plan or deal with work and getting accommodations, it's all the same issues. It's all the same laws, but it's understanding how it applies to you and your situation. Well, it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you because, what is it, about 18 million people in the U.S. are living with cancer, but then there are so many, many more conditions. Yeah. And you have a lot to share. So I want to thank you for sharing your journey, for talking to us about what triage cancer does, and thank you for everything you're doing to keep people healthy and to help them navigate the system. I hope you'll come back. Thank you so much. I appreciate your willingness to let us share information about what we have available for people, and I would love to come back. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive. We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I want to hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye!